Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. So I'm so glad to have Leo Alsvid here with me in London. Welcome to my podcast, Leo. Thank you very much. As a way of intro, Leo has uh, converted his passion for skiing and sailing into extraordinary experiences that spread joy and inspire curious people to become part of a global community that knows how to truly appreciate our planet. Uh, Leo is also all about startups and creating new concepts. And despite his young age, he has founded several businesses such as the Ski Week, Radin, Sail to Ski, Quarterdeck. And he keeps developing new creative ideas to be of service and to spread joy. So that's quite an accomplishment, really, uh, considering your, your age. But it tells me that you have lots of energy and lots of creativity inside of you and an entrepreneurial spirit, I guess. With all of this that you've so far done and put your energy into, what impact do you wish to have? It's very much about spreading joy. I really, really enjoy it like seeing people just having a good time. And whatever sense that is, if that's a party on the top of a mountain or sailing somewhere, exploring a desert, whatever that is, just giving people something that they didn't think they could do or have done before. And you're really giving them that change of perspective. What would you describe as your passion? I would say my passion is to inspire people and friends around me to get a little bit of a different angle of how they view themselves and the life and the world we live in. And I tend to do that by giving or by hosting creative experiences and taking them out of their comfort zone, outside of the paid path and doing something new. And it doesn't have to be extreme in any way. It's more getting away and changing the mindset rather than it's not about hiking the highest mountain or going to the deepest ocean. It's about doing something with a group of friends and in the shared journey that you do together, that's where you find something interesting. Mm. But you just now came back, uh, I mean, this evening, literally from Greece uh, here to London. What happened in Greece? What did you do there? Well, I hosted a sailing office, as I call it. So I've been on a boat for a month uh, sailing all around the Cycladis island in Greece. And it basically came from the idea that I don't like to um, sit still too much. I like doing stuff. And I also think that working should be fun. It doesn't have to be based in an office. So this came in a way from proving that I can work from a yacht and also because I wanted to live on a yacht for a longer stretch of time. So I decided that that's what I'm gonna do. So I booked a yacht, invited my friends, um, divided it up until weeks. So I had new friends coming in every week and a slightly different theme each week. But everyone came under the idea that they spend a week on the yacht and will be working, will be sharing ideas, experimenting with how can you work on the yacht, what's the best way to be productive in. So we have been doing that and it's been a really, really good experience. Entrepreneurs doing their businesses, but I think everyone was sort of in a life, like a time to pivot 
either with a business or with a life in some way. Mm-hmm. So everyone appreciated. We basically we spent four hours working per day, quite strict, to get everything you have to do done. And the rest of the time we spent more discussing, sailing, exploring, and doing yoga, meditating, mm-hmm. all these things and try to combine them and give people a good space to think, really. Mm-hmm. And that sparked a lot of really good conversations. And it was different themes. Some weeks were more startup, some weeks were more spiritual, some weeks were more maybe active and different themes because of who attended. What is actually the, the like common denominator between all the different activities you, that you shape? We are um, maybe sometimes a bit stuck in what we do. And I think a lot of people are um, following what society, what they think everyone else tells them to do. And I live my life up until now very proactively designing what I think is fun to do, what I want to do and how I want to shape it. Mm. And that has led me into having a company I have, but not trying to get the most profitable company, the biggest company. I've always went for a company that gives me as much freedom as possible because that's what's important for me. And I know what's what I want to have, but I think with the trips I host, it's about It may sound as a good adventure or a good party to start with, but when I have the people there and my guests, I want to give them that little spark, that something that tells them, is this really what's important to me? And change the viewpoint so that, and maybe that's what they're doing normally is just what they want. And I think that's fine, but I want to inspire people to actually think about what is important to me. And usually when you take people out into a desert or at the top of a mountain, wherever you take them and you give them something that they didn't expect, that's more like they take a step back and wait a second, what's happening here? Mm. How can I fit this into my life? Do I like it? Do I not like it? And get them to just start that thought process of having like, how do I want to live my life and not being reactive about everything going on and just following trends Mm. rather than actually trying to decide and design how I want it to be. And I think that's really important. And in the end, Mm. that's probably the way I see it. That's a good part of being happy to me, of knowing that and achieving that. But you need to know it before you can achieve it. People who are, uh, you know, have families and for different reasons, they are a little bit more, let's say, physically stuck in one, you know, city in one place right now, and they're not so free to maybe design what they don't feel at least they're as free as they would might wish so they have that kind of formal excuse let's say (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. life is happening to them and so they have to be in certain places and do certain things is that a good excuse or is that a valid excuse because it can sound like okay you know young people who are like you and and for example your friends and maybe who have also managed to create an entrepreneurial kind of platform or base to live off can do these nice experiments that's nice but what about normal you know, people in the middle of life kind of thing. I think, again, what's important is the knowledge about what you want. It's not where you are. And I don't buy that as an excuse, really. I use the adventures because I think it's easier to get people to realize or to at least to make them to start to think if you take them outside of the comfort zone, mm. somewhere they haven't been. But that's just to initiate the thought. That doesn't mean that you have an excuse if you can't travel. You can still get that. And I think I would love to do more. The trips I do are 
in a way a little bit extreme, perhaps. Not all of them. Some are pushing it a little bit more, but then you also get more results. Like what kind of, uh, when you say some are almost extreme, in, in what sense that you need to kind of trust each other or is it more like extreme sports? Probably both. I would say the best example is the one I've been doing for the last four years actually. Uh, sail to ski in Norway where we, mm-hmm. I rent two yachts, I invite friends and I always try to make sure that you know, the people who come, they don't know each other. Mm-hmm. It's a very mixed group of people. And they have, most of them have some sort of connection to me or just maybe one other person, but it's a very random group of people. And we go out on two yachts and then we go skiing. So we hike a mountain every day and ski down to the beach, sail to the next place. And within that, but along the way, we need to catch fish for dinner because we don't have any food on board. Um, there's no showers, you swim in the ocean if you want to shower. So it's quite, it's pushing the limits but still in a comfortable way. You have the comfort of the yacht, but if you don't catch any fish, there's no food. So it's that teamwork. It's about being safe on the mountain, picking what peak to go to and where not to go, when to ski, when not to ski. And that's all as a team effort. And doing that with people who have never met each other before. And a lot of time we're outside of phone signal. So you don't have any signal. So phones are gone. It's a little bit back to basic. And I think that's beautiful to not have the phone, fish for food, You have a bed, but that's it. And if you want to go skiing, you walk up. There is no lifts. Wow. So that that's really uh, that could definitely put both pressure and 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 give give people another frame of mind, really. Which yeah, is, definitely. Which is exactly what you were after, yeah. right? It is. That. So it's a little bit of a setup. I mean, in a positive sense, that that they think they're going to just go for a for a journey, right? And then the journey is much more inwards than they would have expected, right? Yes, definitely. And I think it's a lot about how you frame it before people arrive and when they arrive to set them off in the right direction, on the right path, to lead them on that exploration and trying to to start the thought process and sort of during the week easily guide them in the right way. And for me, the greatest achievement I've had that I think is when someone is actually coming out of these trips and maybe have a job they're not happy with or boss they don't like and because of that realize that this is not what I want and quit and completely change, move cities to do something else, mm. then I feel like I've really done something that I'm proud of. So what would you say are like the transformational points in your life that has influenced you the most? Five years ago, I went to Burning Man. And Burning Man itself is obviously a fantastic experience and that has definitely changed me in a way. But the one point that I really remember is that not having a phone for seven days and not even looking at the phone, that really made me realize how addicted I am, still am, and I think we all are. And especially entrepreneurs, when you have your business, you're constantly checking emails or how the sales are going. It's so addictive and not having that for a week, that made me realize what it actually does to me and how I feel about myself and how I interact with other people and relationships. I don't think it's good in general. And after that experience, I've taken purposely a couple of weeks or holidays per year where I turn my phone off. And Norway is one of those when I go sailing. Then I leave my phone 
on a boat every day just to not have it because it becomes sort of a comfort to always have it in your pocket always have something to do with it as an entertainment tool or whatever but pushing yourself to get out of that i think that's something i would recommend everyone to do more of today when i was on the dlr here in london Whoever you approach to ask something or to speak to people, there's not one single person around me, and I promise you there was like 30, 40 around me, that didn't have, have earplugs. So they're listening to something, they're doing something, they're physically there, of course, but nobody's really present no. on, the, on the spot. And of course, I mean, it's a transportation, you're going from A to B, so why should I be present? But it's interesting that it's as if I'm, I was there alone. You know, yeah. it's, it's a weird feeling, actually, that you, you feel like you really have to physically touch people on their arm to make them understand that you actually want to ask them something or you want something. Everybody was, like, in their worlds, right? And you probably don't, I say, you don't have to be present. But if you're not present on a tube ride, it's going to be much harder to become present when you need to be present, when you actually have a meeting or an interaction that means something. And that swap becomes harder. But what long-term solutions for businesses in general do you believe in? Is there a long-term formula that you think every company or business should kind of adhere to? Have some sort of sustainability approach. Because the companies that are doing something, thinking about the future and more long-term, and also taking care of whatever industry or area they operate in, they seem to be doing a lot better. And consumers are also quite aware and buying of companies that want to do that and want to do something positive for the world. I think that's a very simple thing that if you don't do that, I think you're going to struggle. And if you do that, you will definitely attract more consumers. So that's an easy one. But at the same time, you want it to come from a, from a genuine place so it doesn't become like a greenwashing, you know, like a beautiful sustainability suit exactly. that they put on or a story that they kind of apply but that doesn't resonate with their core being of why they really exist as a company. So definitely, I'm, I think I'm, you're, you're absolutely right. It's just the awareness of who is doing it for a genuine reason and who is doing it as a packaging exercise, you yeah. know. But it will probably come more when people learn to differentiate it's still quite new and I think it's hard for the general consumer to identify who is greenwashing and who is actually honest about it. If you would assume that you have all doors open and all resources available to you, what would you then innovate or change, um, you know, be it in your sector, in your world or, or somewhere else? I would like to change just the way we think about the future and how we approach sustainability because I think that there's a lot of problems in the world but the environment is by far the greatest so just to get some more fact-based thinking around it because it's so easy to just get big media around whatever crisis there is or healthcare or school systems which obviously is important topics as well but on a greater scale there are tiny problems and I think that the environment, if we don't do anything rather soon, well, who knows what's going to happen, but we're not moving in a good direction. So I think trying to get more people to rather than listen to media and the big headlines, to actually see the data behind it and a science approach about it and what needs to be done. And that's something 
I'm trying to do what I can to inspire in, but it's a tough one. And I'm not really sure how to do it, but I think it's definitely needed to get more people to think. And then I usually try to have some sort of topic in everything I do to move people about to think about it. But I'm not sure if that's enough really, but it's something. But it needs more of that and a better understanding. One person that is fantastic to follow, uh, both on social media and, and uh, elsewhere, he's a very good speaker as well and communicator, is Johan Rockström, you know, the Swedish uh, professor from uh, the Stockholm Science Center. And he just moved on to a European organization now and he's really working um, on these big global environmental issues and, and is one of the, I would say, gurus in, in, in um, Europe, especially and elsewhere and um, governments and, and others are asking for his advice in terms of how to approach these big questions but follow him and, and uh, maybe you could take parts of that or even you know I'm just playing around with the ideas of you can play actually a, a YouTube video where he's speaking about certain subjects mm -hmm. during one of your trips and have you know a big discussion so you get all as you say all the relevant important facts there because he's so good at communicating it in a very simple, understandable way. Because I think there's definitely people want to change, mm. but maybe not everyone is willing to adopt a lifestyle as much as they have to, to make change. Yeah, exactly. You have to, we all have to start the change within ourselves uh, because that's what we really can influence. <laughs> exactly. But it's hard. It's easy to say, I'm not going to use plastic bags because it doesn't really affect you that much, but to actually stop flying, stop eating certain things and doing all of that. That's more behavioral change and that is tough. Not driving a car. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. It's part of our, our lifestyle. And um, if you would give one piece of advice to leaders, however you want to define leaders, what would that be? I think still connecting to the change that is needed, that someone needs to start that behavioral change. It's not about only talking. We've done that for quite some time and talking about what needs to be done. But someone needs to lead that change and to show that it's possible to do something. And I haven't seen even the people that are talking about it a lot. They're still taking their flights. They're still doing all of that. No one is actually around the actual leaders. There's more like Greenpeace, the extreme side of it that do things. But... Other than that, I don't see that much of people taking action, or at least not people within along the entrepreneur scene or people that are leaders in that sense. Yeah, un unless they are producing solutions, products, and so on yeah. that are really a product of, of an environmental you know, consciousness. Yes. So um, that they really can apply. But what I want to see is it's hard for me as a norm. If I see myself as a general consumer, I don't know what they really can do and it feels a lot of what I've been told to do is simply greenwashing and I would like to have someone to follow as a good example to sort of stop a little bit of all the consumerism and be a good example. It's up to everyone to try to do that as best of their ability. And uh, if you would give an advice to yourself let's say uh, 10 years ago or so or five whatever is applicable for you what advice would you give then? Don't do relative goal setting, which I think is quite important because just comparing yourself 
can then feel when you want to become the best. There's always someone better, basically no matter what you do. And then you're never really going to feel fulfilled. And I think that also comes with the, um, then you just continue, continue, continue. And you're never really happy about what you're achieving. In the same way, if you want to change the world in some way, you will never make it perfect. But if you think you're going to make it perfect, you will always fail. So I think that's important to understand that you need to set a goal that is, you can actually reach and not just comparing yourself to others. And it follows with anything you do. The other advice to myself would be be proactive and actively trying to design what I want and where I want, but not to 100%. Because I think that's with anything you do, there needs to be some part which is spontaneous. If you're trying to control everything and shape a perfect world, the world simply isn't perfect. And if you're trying to make it perfect, you're also always going to fail. So, and maybe lose out on opportunities you, that lose you, out don't, on opportunities you don't see. As well. And that comes with anything you try to do. Don't be too strict on yourself. If you say you're not going to do something, well, as a baseline, don't do it. But sometimes make exceptions. It will make you happier, healthier, and feel better. What kind of um, background or family setting or environment were you? Did you grow up in to? give you this strong notion of, I really want to do what I think is fun and then I will share this with others, you know? I mean, it's not like it's incredibly strange or unusual, but still it's very strong in you. So I'm just thinking, you know, what do you think? Where does it come from? Or is it just something that you, you're born with? It probably comes a little bit from both my parents that they want to do what's fun and like have a good time. And I took that on, but even, even more. They always prioritized what I thought was fun first. And business or work or school was always later. But then what happened is that basically if it was good waves, I went out surfing. And that was it. If it was snowing in the Alps, I flew down to the Alps and went skiing. And then school had to follow after all my business, whatever I was doing. But what I learned from that is that by doing that, Everything else I do, I perform so much better because all of these activities will, in a way, bring you into flow or peak performance, whatever word you want to use. And having that surf session in already in the morning, because that's the most important for me, everything I do after that is like five times as productive. So I always kept doing that to do, if I know what makes me happy, then everything else gets easy. And that's sort of also what I'm trying to share with other people with the sailing office we just did. That really changed me a lot as well because I'm trying to, I like testing things. And I recently sort of got introduced to the biohacking scene in London and talking with a lot of people that are biohacking and all these different parts. And I've been doing them on and off. I've been meditating, I've been doing yoga, testing things, but not really in a disciplined way. So now in Greece, I heard, took a whole month and I actually think this is the first time in years where I spent a whole month sleeping in the same bed. Because you're always off to some friend's house or a cabin or a trip or a weekend. But I spent one month sleeping in the same bed. I meditated every morning. I did yoga every morning. I went to bed at the same time. When it got dark, I woke up at sunrise. 
I ate according to whatever people say you should eat, super healthy. And I worked the same hours, very, very disciplined. And even though I'd done all parts separately before, bringing them all together, and I don't know which one was the strongest contributing factor, mm -hmm. but the fact is still that I felt really, really good. And I worked better, I slept better, I produced more, got more creative, more present, interacted better with everyone on the boat and everyone around me. And it made a big, big change. And I would probably describe it the best as being in flow. And it took a while to get in there. But once I was there, it was a really amazing feeling of having that. What I learned from that is that it's probably hard to get into that mindset. You need a routine, you need the habits. But that's hard with the life we live. And how you're always traveling around, moving. Don't have time for two things. Or you have a meeting, or you need to go to a party. But creating those habits for yourself, how I felt and what I could actually produce in work was so much more. Even though I was only working four hours a day on a boat, compared to being in the office in London, I think I outperformed myself every single day at work, but also how I felt and also how I, the ideas I came up with and the discussions I had. Everything was boosted, which was an amazing feeling to see. And it's going to be very interesting to see how I can keep that up being back in London. If it works, or if it, I'll do my best, but we'll see. It's inter really interesting and uh, I definitely uh, hope someday that uh, I'm going to be invited to one of those yachts, yachts <laughs> <laughs> and try out this flow and routine and, and just that kind of presence. Are there any uh, new um, special ideas or something that you came up with during the, the sailing trip that you want to share? Something new and exciting or is it um, um, a secret? <laughs> no, there's no secrets. I would love to share as much as I can. The value for me is to being able to inspire people. I mean, the main thing is just experimenting with how you can get into flow, how you can keep it up and how that actually, just understanding that the output you get from work is not related to amount of hours. It's related to productivity. And it doesn't matter if you sit 12 hours in front of a screen, you're not gonna get more done necessarily, at least not in the type of area a lot of us work in. We're not factories anymore. You need to separate the hours from the output. And I think that's something I definitely known before, but this trip made it even more clear that you would think that working on a yacht in Greece, sailing every day, sitting in the sun, most people think that you're not working at all. But I proved first of all to myself but also to everybody else that I did work just as good, if not better. And I think that was a good learning. And I think you shouldn't be working from a yacht the whole year. You probably need to be in the office as well. But to take regular breaks and do something else, I think that's a massive boost that most people can benefit from. So maybe you should suggest this to groups uh, from companies and so on to do that together or on a separate note to do these kind of trips, right? Because right now you've been doing it with some friends and, and mm -hmm. uh, right, and their acquaintances and so on. Exactly. Uh, to mix them up and so on. But uh, it's people like in your sphere, right? Yeah, we made one of the weeks, we made quite a lot of plans. 
of how to set that up. So maybe it's coming, maybe it's not. Now it's about going back to the drawing board and figure out what worked, what didn't work, and how can we do more of this? Because it's definitely something I would like to do more of. And just seeing everyone on that boat, this experience changed them. It was definitely for the better. And then if you have that, then you should do it more, I think. And just to um, finish off on a, on a larger, big note, what do you think the world needs most at this time? I think the world needs a bit of long-term thinking. Get away from quarterly reports, short-term gains and short-term wins, and actually figure out how is this lifestyle we're all living going to be working out in 10, 20, 50 years from now. And the problems we're discussing, should we be discussing them, how they're relatively weighted, their importance between each other, which one is really more important with a long-term viewpoint and not only the next election, how can I keep my position? That's what I think we need. Long-term thinking, long-term leaders, and uh, including leading ourselves, right? And society isn't really set up for that. We're very much set up in a short-term perspective, which makes it hard. So true. Thank you, Leo. Thanks for sharing. It's been wonderful, wonderful talking to you. And um, if people want to find out more, should they head to which website or which... Uh... The only website I have at the moment would be the Ski Week mm-hmm. for the larger ski festivals I'm hosting. TheSkiWeek.com. Mm-hmm. There will be something coming rather soon about more sailing offices, more sail-to-ski trips, but it's still on a drawing board. And if I had a name, I would share it, but I don't. <laughs> it's coming. Okay. Great. So, and also uh, you will find links and show notes on corporateunplugged.com slash podcast. So remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Acast and share this episode with your network and friends for impact and share it with people you know would benefit from hearing this. Thanks for listening and until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao.